want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I, um, I want to pick my way through this text. We've heard this story a hundred times before probably. But I would like to pull some principles from it. And I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. Um, in First Samuel 17, we're going to, let's first look at verse 24. It says, when all the men saw the man who they fled from him and were greatly afraid. And the men of Israel said, how have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy the, uh, Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Verse 28, And Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said to him, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, Why have I, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? And he turned away from him and to another and said the same thing. And the people answered the same thing before him. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him, your servant. will go and fight with this Philistine. Verse 33, and then, then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistines to fight with him. You are but a youth while he's been a warrior from his youth. Verse 36, and the servant, your servant will kill both the lion and the bear and his uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Verse 38, and Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with his armor and David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot do go with these for I have not tested them. And David took them off. And he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. Look at verse 42. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, and ruddy with a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And then David, verse 45, said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you taunted. And uh, David, in verse 47, and all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, but the battle is the Lord's. 
and he will give you into our hands. Dear God, your word is blessed, and I dare not ask you to bless it because you wrote it. But God, I do pray that this message that resonates throughout the Middle East, we see it on television, people slinging slingshots, will become a powerful influence in how we think about you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think of all that has gone on and all the difficulties that we have faced, the problems that we have gone through, I ask myself this question, how do you find strength when all strength is gone? Well, how do you find the ability, the inner power, the inner strength to just get up and make it another day when the day ahead has a whole lot of <laughs> tremendous challenges, not sometimes because of the problems, but sometimes the cause of how those problems has impacted us internally. Right. Let me give you an example. I was reading a story about, because of my brother's influence, about a soldier in Kuwait in the Gulf War. And he was getting ready to go to fight. It was clear that his platoon was going to be called up. And he was ready to go. He's going to be summoned. Their, their regiment was going to be the first to enter into the fight. And it was clear from all of the maneuvers they were constantly practicing when they were called up, everything that was being done, that they would be the first. And so he started to get nervous. He was ready to fight. He's been trained to fight. He's a Marine. He knows what to get done. But every time he gets up, this is something that is on him each and every day. So he happened to overhear a chaplain speaking. And the chaplain was speaking to somebody. And the chaplain was speaking to somebody. For whatever reason, he drew closer to the chapel. And he's listening to this chaplain. As the chaplain is talking and interacting, he decided, you know what? Let me go hear what this man got to say. So he went to chapel the next day. After constantly visiting and listening to this chaplain, he turned his life over to Christ. And for whatever reason, the chaplain stayed in his head that you just don't accept Christ. You have to grow. And growing is a process of learning God a whole new way. Learning how to think the way he wants you to think. Learning how to apply yourself to the principles he's calling you to. That's the journey. And he decided to get into that journey. So after his maneuvers all day long, he would go to chaplain, tired, worn out. And he would go sitting there after he went to mess hall. And he would go in and he would sit down and listen to this man. This man decided because this kid keep giving him so much tension, he's going to disciple him. So when he gets discipled and he's grown spiritually, early one morning, they got the sound to go to war. They said, You're gonna, we're going to take off. It's going to be tomorrow. They gave them all of the different things that are taking place. And his wife and two small kids on his mind. And that kept him going every day, thinking nervously. Ah, oh, man, my kids are small. They're just like four and two. And my wife and I have just been married like five, six years. And that's always been on his mind. So he called his wife and he says, today I'm ready. She goes, you're ready? Well, yes, I can't tell you anything else other than today I'm ready. He says, why do you say today I'm ready? He says, for some reason, I got up today, and even though I understand I'm the first man on the block, I'm no longer afraid like I was before. Am I afraid? I am afraid. 
but for something is going on inside of me and I don't understand what it is, I just know that right now I can get out, pack my equipment and be ready to go. I can't understand it. I don't, I can't tell you. I just know that I'm going to be good. Either way, I'm going to be good. I can go fight this battle. See, many times we want strength to come the way we expect it to come. We want strength to be there in the way we want it to be there. But when all strength is gone, we're in the best place ever. You say, you're crazy. No, 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 no. When all strength is gone and we acknowledge all strength is gone, we're in the best place that we could ever be. That's why Paul would say, in my weakness, I became strong. Not in my strength, I became stronger. In my weakness, I became strong. So when our weakness has become very, very, something very, very sensitive to and can experience it intimately, the Bible is saying we're in the best place. And I want you to see this in this text. You're familiar with the story. I want to walk through this text and show you the first thing you have to turn off in order for us to experience this strength that will come and powerfully empower us to get things done is first to stop leaning to your own understanding. There's a reason why that verse is pivotal in the Bible. There's a reason why it is something we just cannot do. These people, I want you to understand the matrix of this story first in case you don't understand the background. The background to the story is, is that there are about 15 miles outside of the tribe of Benjamin. There are about 15 miles outside. That's why David, who has already been anointed king and therefore has no need to go face Goliath, he's anointed king. He is going to be the next king. He's already been told that. So there's no incentive to go fight and risk his life about nothing. So David is sent by his dad taken from his sheep, sent by his dad to a king who don't even recognize him when he gets, sees him the sec- next time. He's already been playing for Saul. He's already been in Saul's presence playing all the time. The Bible would say he would go to Saul, he'd go to the sheep, take care of what his dad wants him to do. All day his life was constantly busy between Saul and the care of sheep. And he constantly did that. This is a man that was so angry one time, he took a spear and threw it at David. This is the person that David is now going out to face in order to go to Goliath. Please understand how important this is. So David takes this 15-mile trip with cheese. Dad is trying to bribe the commander. His sons are out there. So he gives the commander cheese. In other words, don't put my son on the front line. I got three of them out there. My oldest boy is there. This is a tremendous thing in Israel's history because the oldest child, as you will see with Jesus Christ, he's the oldest child on the cross. Hey, John, take care of my mom. He had that responsibility. The oldest child is there and he is telling the man, hey, take care of them. Okay, here's stuff for your brothers. When he gets out to the battle line, David runs to the battle line. David runs there. Why? David's past says, this is not a problem. I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear, and I watch how God mightily do that. You have to see what David means. When David says, I have killed a lion and a bear, and I was able to grab the bear of the, of the bear, <laughs> the lion, and pull it down and kill it, David is saying there's some inner strength 
that hit me at that moment. There's a sense of courage that impacted me at that moment that I've never experienced in my life. So if God can move on me in such a way that I could be impacted in that kind of way, I could face this myself. David, and many times when God brings Goliaths in our lives, it could be medical issues. It could be some people are suffering from PTSD, COVID. They're struggling with going back to anything. People, I call it COVID PTSD. They're struggling with, with that. When the time comes that they can take off a mask, some folk are going, peace to that. They're struggling. So not only are we dealing with the effects of COVID, which is going to last a long time for some people, they lost a husband. They lost a wife. They lost breadwinner. I mean, just Allison was talking about her neighbor who fixing something in the house, grabbed the wrong wire, whatever took place, the breadwinner in the family, dead, electrocuted. Woman is left with the kids, three kids. So COVID is not over. The effects of COVID are going to be here for a minute. People are going to be damaged from this for a while. So when we're dealing with all of these different dynamics and health issues that some people have as residue from COVID, lungs are still damaged. Some people are waiting for lung transplants. When you're dealing with whatever giants we have to deal with, the financial burden from being laid off and trying to survive on government support or trying to survive from family help. You know, we still got the grapevine and the hookups going on. I do your hair, you'd give me some cheese. We still got that going on. We still do that. It, it, yes, it works. It works. It still works. We figure a way to make it work. You know, I did that growing up. I, I was a guy, I was a kid that took the cheese across the fence and pick up the eggs. <laughs> I was the kid. So understand, we still do those things. Those effects, all of a sudden, we are now community when we were ignoring each other. All of these different things still take place. How do we deal with these giants? The first thing the Bible is going to teach us is stop trying to deal it with it in your own common sense and stop trying to deal with it <laughs> from your own strength. We think we could do it. And that's wrong. There's a lot of black women like that. Been single for a long time. Taking care of kids for a long time. So when things happen, they just jump up in there. We got to get it done. Y'all sit down over here. I got this. Just be here. Just do this. And the Bible is saying, no, 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 no. You cannot arrive at being fearless until we learn these principles. Because then the fearlessness that we have, we should not get away from that because we, we should be afraid of that. Here's the first thing we learn from this. How do you not lean to your own understanding? Because it's natural. It's instinctive. It's survival mode. In verse 24, the Bible says, the uh, Bible says in verse 24, it says, and all the men of Israel saw the man. Here's the first thing about common sense. You never look, this is what the Bible will call dreadful fear. It makes sense to fear, but I choose not to fear. It makes sense. If there's an 18-wheeler coming down the highway, and you're in the middle of the highway, it makes sense to fear. But it, the Bible is saying, you got to be fearless. How in the world do you do that? The Bible says that these warriors, don't forget David is not a warrior. This is totally impossible situation. That's why the people in the Middle East are still throwing slingshots at tanks. Okay? 
We may think this story is a Bible story. They know it happened. So that's why on television, you see them with slingshots going to tanks. Understand, the Bible is saying is, we need to look at the problem carefully, but when we look at it, many of us stay and evaluate it on what we think. It made sense to fear this guy. Please hear me. It made sense. People would say Goliath was nine feet tall. Nobody in the Bible is totally clear on this. Some people believe he's also 11 feet tall. You're not just talking about tall. There's some people tall and lanky. So you, you could do something. When you're carrying around armor, when you weigh it, it's 125 pounds. When you are carrying a javelin that at the tip of the javelin by itself is 15 pounds. When you're carrying around a shield that is weighs pounds, you're not just tall, you're not just 11 feet tall, you are mightily strong. That's what they're looking at. They're looking at a guy that is a beast. Shacking got nothing on him. He is a beast. He is more tall, taller than Shaq, probably as strong as Shaq is and more. And he's been fighting since he was a kid. Which means he looked tall as a kid, so they trained him as a kid. All David got is a lion and a bear. That ain't nothing. This man has been killing people. When you get used to killing people, the person is very dangerous. This man is used to killing people and they know it. And that's the reason why all this military force runs. Now, why are they running? It makes sense. It makes sense. That's why they're running. What does David do? David runs to it. I always say firemen are crazy. Everybody's running from the fire, even the roaches. The dog, the cat, everybody. And they're running too. I always, I always think of that. That's why I have so much respect for good police officers. Bullets are being shot. And they're running to the bullets. Running to the bullets. There's a difference in that mind that is fearless. Watch the difference. Watch this carefully. Verse 25. And the men said, what's wrong with you basically? Because David's at the battle line. Don't you see? David said, yeah, I see him. But I also hear him. David is saying, I'm on what I'm hearing more than what I'm seeing. What does he mean? Whatever he is saying, if it violates what God is saying, he's in trouble. Watch this carefully. Whatever he is doing, I don't want to look at his size. I don't want to look at how mighty he is and all this other of stuff. It makes sense to do all of that. But what is his action saying against the word of God? And David picks up three things that says, I ain't running. There's three things David picks up, and you got to see this in this text. David picks up three things. David says, he is taunting the army of God. Genesis chapter 12 says, if you curse God's people, you're what? Cursed. He also says he's uncircumcised. If you uncircumcised, it means that your sins are piled on you. Because you have no covenant with God. You can't go to the temple. David also says he's a Philistine. What does that mean? He ain't even a part of God's people. 
So God said he is committed to his people. And whoever blessed them is blessed. Whoever cursed them is cursed. So since this man is taunting, this is what I keep saying it over and over again in the passage. He's defying the army of God. He's taunting the army of God. They constantly are saying that in the passage because they're trying to say he's a dead man already. But David is listening to that against the word of God and they are not. The reason why we end up fearful is because we drop the Bible. When we face whatever we're dealing with and we rely on common sense, we drop the Bible. The Bible says, no, 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 no. All you got to do, the Bible is powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. You don't have to kill the giant. You just have to keep the Bible in your heart. You got to kill the giant that is in you, fear. Not the giant that is before you. Joshua, you got to face all these giants. Not like this is a new story. The, their fathers had the same problem. They're giants in the promised land. Joshua, you're going to take them on. What? After who? Moses? God, are you serious? You had a meeting with the tent of meeting with Moses. You ain't got no meeting with me. God says, I know. Moses is dead. He's a spiritual leader. I need a warrior. You're you crazy, Joshua. You stand at the bottom of the mountain and all these people are going crazy. And you say, come on up here. I see where you, how you function. Joshua, I see you stand up in front of all the people. When Moses is chicken standing, sitting behind a, going behind a rock, you stood in front of the people and say, we going into the promised land. I saw that, Joshua. I saw that you saw giants. I saw that you saw a double enforced wall. And you kept telling the people, we going, you and Caleb, we going. You were fearless believing in me. So Joshua, I want you to meditate on the word of God day and night. Don't tremble, Joshua. Don't forget now, fear, please remember this, is to be fearless is not to not have fear. To be fearless is to have faith more than fear. That's all it is. Fear, fearlessness is not a lack of fear. It's an action of faith. So Joshua is trembling, but he says to Joshua, Joshua, no, 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 Joshua, meditate on my word and just do what I say. Just do what I say. David picks up the Bible. Everybody drops it. Everybody drops it. Folks, that's why I say it again. The only act that would help us to overcome giants is whether or not, like Daniel, will I keep God's word or will I not? Fear makes us pick up our common sense and our reasoning and our logic, and this is what I think. This marriage crazy. This is what I think. This is what my emotions tell me. This is what I think. This job crazy. I'm looking at my money and it's mighty short. And I got bills to pay. I'm looking at my health issues. I need to find me a job with health insurance and all this other stuff. Bible is saying, hold up a minute. What do I got to say about any of that? Call the elders together and pray. Make sure your elders are living righteous. So I face the giant and I pick up the Bible. So come on, man. The Bible don't talk about all that stuff. Yes, it does. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to see it. If, you, if when we drop the Bible, we become short-sighted. When we pick up the Bible, we walk in the light as he's in the light. David was fearless, not because David was fearless. David was fearless because David did not drop the Bible when everybody else did. 
In 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus Christ. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. Say everything. Everything, everything is what? Everything, everything is what? Everything. Exactly. Pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. has got to be a true word. Who called us by his own glory and excellence. When this impacts our character, look at what it does in verse 9. He who lacks these qualities is blind. They run from giants. They're short-sighted. Can't see their way through nothing. Haven't forgotten his purification in his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent and make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will. Please underline the word never. Underline the word never. I trusted that word in my life. For in this way, the, turn, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. You want some strength and energy? He says, put it to work, practice it, and the light bulbs will come on. And when the light bulbs come on, you don't fall down. And when you don't fall down, the Bible says, hey, guess what happens? You start to experience the strength you no longer thought you had. That's why he says, here, but when you do that, there are going to be people who are naysayers. People are going to think you're crazy. You're going to stay with that man? Gary, you crazy. You still going to that crazy job? You crazy. Girl, you doing what? You, you doing what? You going to help somebody when you need help yourself? Girl, you crazy. You better hold on to what you got. You don't know where COVID is going. Are you going to turn around and help a neighbor? Right now, you need to hold on to your stuff. <laughs> you, you hear all of that. Hear all of that. Nothing different for David. Watch what happens. David's own brother. David's own brother in verse 28 says, Elab says, his oldest brother says, I know why you're here. Watch it carefully. His anger burned against him. That's the oldest brother. You ever had an older sibling? They act like when dad and mom ain't around. I don't know if y'all had an older sibling like that. Older sibling, they act like when dad and mom ain't around, they could tell you what to do because you're still a kid and they change your pampers. Y'all ever heard that stuff? I change your pampers, boy. I said, thank God you ain't still changing it. <laughs> but all the siblings... They think like that. His anger burned against David and he's telling David, you came down here because of your insolence and wickedness. You came and you were here to sit up here and watch the blood and the gut situations taking place. That's why you're here. You just want to see us all die. David said, hey man, I heard you. Bye. I like David. David listened to him. I just asked the question, man. See you later. When people don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Do not sit in the seat of a scoffer. But your delight must be in the law of the Lord. And in that law must you meditate day and night. And then you will be like a tree planted by rivers of waters. You will find your strength when you turn off the scoffers. There are people that are just scoffers. 
They tell you what you can't do. Like the Bible ain't saying you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So when people are scoffing and God is clear what you need to do, do like David. Back up. <laughs> nice talking to you. Bye. Change your number. What you do on Facebook, what you call it, defriend or a friend, what you call that stuff. Do that. Just defriend them. What you call that? Defriending. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all have done it. Y'all have done it. Y'all have gone on Facebook and take folk off. We remove them from your, from your account. That's what you got to do to some scoffers. A matter of fact, a friend of mine is a psychologist calls that sucker plants. There's some sucker plants in your life and you got to learn to cut off the sucker plants because they take all your juice out your life while you're struggling to go along. You ever saw a, a shark in the water with some fish under it trying to live? The, it's going as fast as the shark, but they can't, the little bitty fish. They're just sitting on the bottom of that shark. You ever see people who the lion kills the deer and then you see all these vouchers coming in? Treat them like vouchers. The Bible says that in Luke chapter 14, by the way. It says, you got to deny your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your, your wife, everybody to follow me. Because when they become scoffers, you got to turn them off. I know what God want me to do. Peace out. David wasn't rude. He didn't treat him ugly. He didn't talk crazy to him. He says, didn't I just ask a question? So he gave respect in their culture to the older brother. He gave him the respect, but he walked away. Sometimes that's the best way to shut your mouth is to walk away. He walked away. You got to learn when to walk away. You know what I mean? You don't have to slam a door. You don't have to throw nothing. You don't have to throw the hot People say, well, I'm going to throw some hot oil. You got to go crazy like that. The Bible said that's wrath. That ain't walking away. It's just trying to damage somebody on your way out the door. <laughs> you got to deal with opposition. Here's the next thing you got to deal with in order to be fearless. When you got to deal with opposition, he says you got to stand on the promises of God. Watch David do that. David st stood on the promises of God. Matter of fact, I'm going to throw something here real quick. It's free. Don't worry about it. David went back on history before he stood on the promises of God. Look down with me to verse 36 of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. He says, and the servant was, has killed both the lion and the bear. And this, he repeats it again. David is listening to him, watching what he's doing, and going against, going, evaluating that against the word of God. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one since he has taunted the army. He keeps repeating that. He's a dead man. And the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the land, hand of this Philistine. Hand is bear, big in the Old Testament. It means from his control, from his power, from what he could damage me with. And, and Saul said to David, go. I may the Lord be with you. Ooh, this is a powerful thing. They went and picked Saul as Israel. Saul is their man. Their man. We, we don't need God no more. Saul is our man, like some people do with politicians. You know, they drop God and they believe the politicians will save them. That's why I say we're repeating Saul not too long ago. Politicians will save. And I'm going, no, I'm picking Saul. The Bible says he'll do all things through the church. 
The church needs to get about the agenda of God. The church needs to stop being political in itself. Preachers need to stop being selfish. People need to start walking, coming to church with a commitment to the agenda of God. Not just looking for their own agenda to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when we come and when we go. We need to start looking for the agenda of God and what God wants in our lives. He, he promised to bless us. He promised to keep us. He promised to do things for us. So why are we stressing out? What is God going to do for me? He's already promised what he's going to do for you. But at least join his army. And come with an agenda for God. Not just your personal agenda. But they didn't do that. They picked Saul. Strapping, tall Saul. I want you to see this paradox in the Bible. You got the strong, strapping warrior named Saul that has gone through one fight after the next fight. One military campaign winning another campaign. And the people lean on him and trust him. Here is this. The Bible describes David right after this for a reason. He is rubby. In other words, David is short. 16 years old. <laughs> And he don't even fight. He ain't fought in one war. The people pick Saul. Who does David pick? God. Who is back leading Israel? God. When Israel leaned on a man, the giant won. When Israel leaned on, lean on somebody who never fought in a war, who don't have the might of, of, uh, of Saul, can't even wear his armor, that person trusting God won the battle. When people put their faith in a human being rather than in God, they lose. I want you to see the paradox here. David is going, oh, y'all, y'all all up into Saul. Where you at now? Saul said, I'm going to give you my daughter. I'll give you taxes. I'll give you anything. He running in the tent. Where does David meet him? In the tent. Don't depend on people. Depend on God. Some of us put our checkbook in front of God. God says, well, let me tell you how I could take that away in COVID. Some of us put, you know, look at what I've accomplished. I have a doctorate degree and master's degree and live in this kind of house. God says, well, what about Alzheimer's? I don't need no doctorate degree in heaven. I'm the doctor. Ain't nobody getting sick here. Well, I'm, I, I am the president of my company. I started my own company. God says, I ain't selling cheese in heaven. <laughs> I don't need your cheese. I don't need your bus drivers. I don't need none of that stuff. Well, do you know I'm a principal of a school? I ain't got no school in heaven. So, so why are you stressing giving me your long litany of accomplishments? When I look down from heaven... And you tell me how great you are in the church of Laodicea. You're naked, wretched, and poor in my eyes. You got nothing up here. Forever. David said, I know I ain't nothing. I got a few sheep I take care of. My daddy sent me here to do this job. But I got a slingshot. And I don't need your armor. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. <laughs> That's what I want you to see here. Because, you know, David said, I'm standing on his promises. Y'all could do your thing. 
I'm standing on his. You know how many promises God got in the Bible? 7,000. I used to have a book I would give away to people in my office. I got to go buy that book again. When people feel hopeless, I said, okay, when we finish counseling, they're feeling better. I said, read this book, free of cost. It's a little book. You, you get fancy with it, it'll cost more money. But if you just get the paperback, you know, laminate the thing. It'll get hard. <laughs> and you, 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 you had that book called Promises. I even got it in my car door. Sometimes when I know things are tough at a hospital, I pull out that because it's got a bunch of verses. If a person is sick, here are the promises. If a person is hurting, here's the promises. And just list all the promises in the Bible. It's a good book to get. It's in my car door. When I'm going to a hospital and I understand the circumstances, I pull that out because it's all full of verses. It's not like somebody's telling you stuff or thinking through stuff. It's in there. They're just listing all of the promises by the verses. It's, I ain't wrote the book, so I ain't got no thing on it. I'm just telling you. That book is there. David said, I'm standing on the promises of God. I ain't listening to none of y'all got to say. Watch David, how he thinks. See, this is what makes you fearless. Is that God's word does not return void. God's word is the truth. What does the Bible call God's word? A sword. A spirit is a sword. So when you pick up God's word, what you just pick up? A sword. Folks, you got to see this. See, because you think that this is just Goliath. This is Satan. You say, how do I know it's Satan? Goliath is loud. Go to 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter. Come on. Go to 1 Peter, chapter 5. Goliath is loud. Satan likes to keep a lot of noise. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do to you. A lot of noise. You know, I remember having a bully in school. And I don't know why he picked on me. I literally told my friend, I said, man, there's something about, there must be a something on my chest. Because watch it. He said, come on, Paul. Ain't nothing. You're always dreaming up stuff, man. I said, I ain't dreaming up nothing. Watch it. He's mad today. Watch what he's going to do. What are you going to do? He's coming straight back here to this back bench. I'm going to sit in the back bench today. Because my mom couldn't stand people, none of her kids in the back bench. So I, I go in the back bench and the guy walks from the front of the class with a stick in his hand and came and hit the stick on my desk. What you going to do, Cannons? I looked at my friend. He goes, oh, man, are you serious? I said, why are you moving? He kind of starts drifting. You're my buddy. You're moving down. <laughs> you know, in school, you had no benches. You didn't have separated benches. You had them benches. And he slided down the bench. Man, he got a stick. So much for this friendship. He started to go crazy on me in the playground one day. Big guy. I mean, big guy. Taller than me. I've always been short. <laughs> I, I, and this big guy, you know, he's big guy. I'll mean, never forget him, man. He was big. And he come and he shoved me against the bikes because we used to like to ride our bikes to school. Shoved me against the bike. I fell on the bike. I don't know what kicked in. But I went to fight. God forgive me in the name of Jesus. I'm preaching and I'm telling the kids to go fighting on fifth Sunday. But I, I, I did. I'm not suggesting you go do that. But I popped up off them bikes and I went to fighting and I beat that boy down that day. I wasn't calling Jesus' name. I wasn't reading a verse. And that's not the truth. I don't know what happened when I fell against those bikes, but I popped up. And before he could think, I had him on the ground and I went to hitting. All I knew was uh, uh, somebody pulling me off of him. And the teacher looked at me and says, going back to class, you're okay. Somebody understand my grief. 
But then the teacher told my mom. And I saw somebody standing at the door like she went back to the hood. <laughs> Looking at me crazy with a whip in her hand. I said, well, at least I won one fight. <laughs> Look at verse 8. He says in chapter 5, he says, be, be, be of sober spirit and be alert for the devil, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This ain't Goliath. We do not struggle with flesh and blood. We struggle with principalities and powers. And all that was going on here with Goliath is that Satan had influenced him. Satan has brought him up against the army of God. And Satan was using him to come against God's army so that God can establish David as a leader. That's all God is doing. God allowed this man to be tall. Every man is fearfully and wonderfully made. You got to see God in this. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has established this man to be 11 foot tall, 9 to 11 foot tall, strapping and big. God designed this. God designed that the army of Israel will be right there and Saul will be their king since they chose Saul. And God designed this so that when they stand in there and Saul is running and in his tent that this little boy that he's already anointed king. He's already put in place as a king. Knowing that this situation will take place. That when all of this mess is going on, God will take his anointed and stand them in front. And God will show Israel, oh, you deserted me, but now you need me. And before you could need me, I gave you somebody to rescue you. That's how powerful God is. But God is always ahead of your problem. He just wants to see when he puts Goliath in your face, will you turn to him or will you turn to yourself? Will you turn to your fear? Would you turn to your anxiety? Or when your anxiety pops up, would you just pray and say, God, I'm anxious, but you told me to be anxious for nothing. Will you hold to his word? Will you in all things give him thanks? Will you keep trusting him? Will you keep obeying him? What will you do when the Goliath is in your face? Because God has designed it to expose our faith. I put you in the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8. So that I may test you. To show you that man does not live by bread alone. Man lives by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. Bible is just saying, where are you? And when I put this collide in front of you, I'm just trying to remind you, that's really where you are. So when you finish praising God and thanking God and oh God, you're a great God, you're a mighty God. He says, okay, well, since you say all of that, let's see what you believe. Watch this carefully. He says, watch David. David's talking crazy. Verse 32, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. <laughs> I like that. Nobody, don't let nobody be stressed out. This is not a problem. Could you imagine that? I pray to God he'd have me that way. Oh, this is not a problem. I really try to live that. I'm not always there. Remember my son picking Austin College to go to highest tuition and all the list of schools that he's been accepted to. We're going to make it. He's going there. Hi, do you have any sense? Yes, a little bit. Because I don't want to have any. I remember moving to Houston. Same thing. We're going to buy a house. We ain't got no money to buy a house, boy. Are you going to a job that don't pay you? Yes. 
Why would you pick that job? That's the one he wants me at. I've really tried to live my life like it's not what man describes it to be. What is God saying? Even in building this building, is this building a need? Yes, it is a need. Didn't he say he'll supply our needs according to whose riches? So we could build a building. What does his word say? What am I standing on? If I don't, my heart will fail. It just fails. When somebody comes and says you got cancer, what does your heart do? Fail. When somebody says your mama got cancer, your heart fails. You see, the heart acts like it's strong. But in face of Goliaths, it tells you, I ain't strong. You just choose to try to make me strong. And since you keep doing that, I'm going to show you, I wasn't supposed to be trusted. You choose to trust me. And that's why people going on their feelings end up in the wrong directions. Well, I just feel this. I just feel that. And then the Bible said, deny yourself. Well, this is just how I feel. You are into your feelings. And the Bible is saying, deny yourself. Do not. There's a war between the flesh and the spirit. And you jumped up into the flesh rather than the spirit. Well, I just, you just you got to feel me. I'm feeling you. You here today and gone tomorrow. What am I feeling you for? Now watch this, folks. This is the last point. You got to see how you can be fearless and find strength. How do you be fearless and find strength when all strength is gone? And how you face the situation that is impossible. It's impossible. David comes up against this guy. Oh, you got you to picture this. You got to picture this. Goliath. They stay a good distance from each other. Deacon, where Deacon Washington is, that's where Goliath is. He don't look like Goliath right now, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> David is like here. They said that a slingshot could get the speed of a rock up to 100 miles an hour. But God blinds his eyes. God does not allow him to see the slingshot. He literally says, you come to me with a stick. What is God doing? You can't see the slingshot because if he saw the slingshot, he wouldn't have run towards David. He would have grabbed his shield from the shield bearer and come with his shield against David. So that when David threw the slingshot and the rock is coming, he'll bear it up because that was part of their military hardware was slingshots. But he's telling you the passage, I don't see the slingshot. I see a stick. So I'm coming after you. You can't kill me with no stick. And David goes, I'm coming to you. And while David is coming, David is in his little sack, took stick out a rock, puts it into the slingshot, and David is coming to him like this. But it's too late. He's coming downhill. And David, could you imagine 100 miles an hour meeting a mighty man coming downhill? Boom! That's why David say, you come to me with a javelin, you come to me with this, because he is thinking he has a stick. That's how God works for you. Somebody look at you and they go, oh, he, he ain't got nothing. He's a little short guy. He ain't got nothing. I could take that stick and hit the desk and he'd be all afraid of me, making all this roaring noise. Sometimes people see that. They come to you and they go, oh, she's not as educated as I am. I could beat her out of this job. I don't got to worry about this. And God says, uh-uh, I'm promoting you. 
See, sometimes people come and they look at you for what they are because God just lets them see what they need to see so God can keep the hidden weapon that they don't know nothing about. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That is the hidden weapon that God has that they don't have. So when they think they can look at you and size you up to know how to come get you, God is saying, they forgot who is in you. I'm inside of you and I can fight greater. I can give you better wisdom. I can bring up the word of God to remind you. I can illuminate the word of God to you can walk in the light. I can bless you to find strength when you're weak. They don't have that. They're just looking at your qualifications. They're looking at your size. They're looking at all these different things. But I see a mighty person because I live inside of you. Oh, folks, you got to understand that. That, 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 that. David looks at him and he goes, I see how you're coming. I like that. I think David has some black in him. You know the reason why I say that? When a black person dunk a basketball, we don't just dunk it. We got to tell you about it. <laughs> Especially if we cross you over and you fall down, we got to say something. When, when, when somebody tackles somebody in football, they got to say something to them. That, that, that's just the way we are. We, we, we let it all rock when we get that stuff done. David see him coming. Oh, you coming? You're a dog. You this. David says, oh, yeah, we going to talk some trash up in here? Let me tell you. You come to me with a javelin. You come to me with our spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. I think David has some trash talk in him. Maybe that's why his hair is, scru- his rust is curly. Maybe he got a little black streak up in him. <laughs> David come up in there and David says, oh, no, no. He's not going to reward me for knocking you down. You got to be dead, dead. <laughs> I like that. The Bible said David pick up his sword. His sword. As a matter of fact, he took the sword and he kept it in his camp. David picked up his sword and cut his head off. <laughs> when David cut his head off, guess what I mean? He did. But when I come back to when I come back to Saul with his head in my hand, guess what? He dead, dead. You you, you gonna give me your daughter? You gonna give me the taxes? And my family gonna live free? Cause he is dead, dead, dead. That's one one thing I say about God. When He finished defeating the problem in your life, it is dead, dead, dead. God ain't got nothing. You got nothing else to deal with that. That's why I keep telling people: Don't look at the problem. Keep pressing through it. Because if you don't press through it, then the problem is there every day, constantly in your face, telling you all about yourself, telling you all this crazy stuff. The problem stays there. But when you trust God, I want to tell people, in the midst of hardship and difficulties, that's not the time you run. That's the time you keep going forward because you want the problem dead, dead, dead. My kids are probably tired of me saying that. Oh, man, I guess I need to quit this thing. No. That's the time you press towards the mark because that's when God's going to teach you faith. That's when God's going to teach you to trust him. That's when God's going to teach you to pray harder. That's when God's going to teach you how to pray harder. That's when God's going to give you better wisdom. That's the time. So when you come to the same problem, you're just walking past it like it's nothing because it's dead. It never could affect you the same way no more. It never bothers you the same way anymore. It never makes you anxious anymore. It never stresses you out anymore because it's dead. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this part got me in this text because God's power is limitless. And that's why you could be fearless. 
God's power is limitless. Like you, you got to see. And then this part got me in the text. And all I could do is laugh in my study the whole time. That the people are now getting all fired up. And they're chasing the Philistines on their, on their donkeys and horses. And they're chasing them. Some people on foot. We go kill them now. You know, I could just see myself running alongside them going, oh, you ready now? You fired up now? You feeling this now? For 40 days, you've been running. I can just see myself going, for 40 days, you running back. You sitting up here asking me, I am nothing to go fight him. And now you riding the donkey trying to kill somebody? (laughs) Give me a break. What you doing out here? That's what I probably say. Because you imagine these folks, that's what happens many times. The people who sit back and tell you you can't do it are the people when you've done it go, oh, wow, oh, oh, wow, God has blessed you. Now they want to talk to you. They want to look at you. They want to say all kinds of things about you. But when you are going to the Goliaths in your life, they want to talk bad about you. That's why the Bible is saying, oh, don't worry about the naysayers. Because when you start to be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you, the naysayers, that's why David said, the assembly of God will stand up and give God praise. People will have a reason to say, thank you, Lord. You'll give somebody hope. You'll give somebody strength. You'll cause somebody to believe, I can face my Goliaths. I can make it work. Look at how it worked for him. You encourage other people. You strengthen other people. You empower other people because they see that God is working in you. Look at how far up they are now. Killing folks. Ravaging their camps. I'm going to take them down and get all their goods. All of this stuff. But they're running for 40 days. And the non-military guy is the one that took down Goliath. Folks, you could be fearless when your faith isn't gone. It doesn't matter what you face. It matters who you face it with. Anytime you're waiting for strength to make it, you'll be waiting. But every time you believe God for his strength, you will gain it. It's not finding strength. It's finding what his word is calling you to do and trusting his word. And no matter how difficult the situation is in front of you, what is God asking me to do? And I'm going to put my hope, my faith, and trust that what he said is true. Oh, he'll test you. He'll test you. I remember when the chairs were all stolen. Okay, God, you made a point, but what did you say? Stand up and tell the truth. I should not have signed that check. I should have checked it out. I don't care who did all the homework on this. I still signed the check, so I'm accountable. You hold to the truth. You face it. You deal with it the way it is, and you press on because it's not you that solved the problem. It's not you that fixed the problem. It's not you that bring a resolution to the problem. It is just for you to say, not my will, but thy will be done. That's all it is. Once you decide to stand up and say, God, it is not my will. It's what I love Jesus for. They spit upon him, not my will. They will beat him, not my will. They would mock him, not my will. On the cross, they would mock him, not my will. He would look down to them and say, Father, forgive them for they know that what they do. Why? It's not my will. I will see you in paradise. It's not my will. And God says, you trusted me on the third day. 
He got up from the grave because it wasn't for him to solve the problem. It was for him to face the Goliath and allow God's word to bring a resolution. It's not what you face. It's how you face it fearlessly, trusting in God. It's, hear me, folks. If faith is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of faith. Fear is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence. Fear is not the absence of faith. It's the presence of faith. Understand, it's not the absence of fear. It's the presence of faith. Please understand that. You will be afraid. You'll be overwhelmed. You have reasons to be anxious. You have reasons to be overwhelmed by the circumstances you face. That's the way Satan does. He's a roaring lion. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to make you feel you can't make it work. He wants to make you drop your faith. And the Bible is saying, all you got to do is to trust me. I already defeated Satan. I got up from the grave. He has no more power. You just got to believe in me. Please, hear me. I'll say it one last time. I know you don't believe me, you shouldn't. Faith is not the absence of, fear is not the absence of faith. Fear. Fear is not the absence of, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of faith. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is the presence of faith. Many days I get up afraid. Afraid. God. Suppose we come back in October and a virus hits your people. I was a bad shepherd. There's no way to f I fix that. As your representative shepherd, I must guide your people to the valley and the shadow of death because that's how they realize that you're alive in the midst of death. Oh God, they can't, you can't touch your sanctuary. So I kept praying the same prayer over and over again. Oh God, let your sanctuary be Israel in Egypt. You protected them from all the plagues. Protect your church. Just instantly, I pray. Was I afraid? I didn't want nobody touched. Last week I was nervous. I didn't even sit that close to Tony Evans because I kept thinking, oh my God. All these folk up in here, some ain't got masks on, all tightly together. It's funny how y'all be. Can't stand each other, but can't stand to be away from each other. It's weird. 70% of the people on earth is in 30% of earth space. But folk can't stand one another. Sit up there and say, oh God, what have I done? Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, call the elders to pray. Faith goes in. Pray. Call him to pray. Do that. Okay? Next thing you do, come in here and pray. Fast. Just follow the stuff. Hey, anything happened from last week? Nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Folks, I can't tell you that I'm not afraid. That's a lie. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the presence of of faith. Let us stand.